This is the Adventist World Radio, and you are listening to the Voice of Hope. For more information, please feel free to write to us. Our email address is Bible at awr dot org, or you could also call us on WhatsApp at plus one two two four two 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 zero seven seven seven. Hello and welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio, researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson, and in Los Angeles by Ray Robinson, and produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. I'm Jeff White. This is edition NWS 767 for release on Sunday, November 5th, 2023 time change day in North America. On Wayscan today, our main feature is the history of radio jingles, part two. We'll also have Yukiko Tsuji's DX report from Japan. Two weeks ago here in Wayscan, Ray Robinson took us on a trip down memory lane with a listen to some early sung radio commercials and radio jingles. One of the most successful jingle production companies was PAMS, P-A-M-S, in Dallas, Texas. PAMS was closely associated with Gordon McLendon's KLIF 1190 in Dallas, which was one of the first stations to adopt the new Top 40 format in 1954. In part two of this story this week, Ray looks at how the jingle business developed and how jingles spread not only throughout North America, but across the Atlantic and around the world. Thanks, Jeff. In 1960, Gordon McClendon took a vacation to Sweden to visit his friend Jack Kotchak. He was amazed at how dull Swedish state radio sounded and became aware that offshore stations had been set up off the Danish and Dutch coasts to broadcast pop music and commercials free of government control. Gordon invited Jack to come visit him in Dallas and see how radio was done in Texas. Jack stayed in Dallas, and after listening to KLIF for a week, they together decided that an offshore venture, complete with PAM-style jingles, should be set up off the coast of Stockholm. And thus, the idea for Radio Nord was born, which Jack began to organise as soon as he returned. In the USA at that time, many TV stations were converting from black and white to colour, and radio stations didn't want to be left out. So never mind how nonsensical it may have been to apply the concept to radio, many radio stations claimed they'd gone colour too. In 1957, Gordon McClendon had bought a station in Shreveport, Louisiana, KEEL 710, which he converted to a Top 40 format and modelled after the very successful KLIF in Dallas. Here's an example of a Pam's colour jingle for KEEL, followed by the version that was used by Radio Nord, sung in Swedish by the Henry Fox Show Orchestra in Stockholm. It's the brand new kind of radio, K-E-E-L, new radio, Keel's gone color. Keel's new color radio is bright and brilliant radio, yes, Keel's gone color. News and music always bright and vivid. Say goodbye to radio dull and faded. 
Catskills New Color Radio, a brand new kind of radio on K-E-E-L, on Kiel. KEEL these days is still on 710 kilohertz AM, but as a news talk station. Radio Nord opened off Stockholm in 1961 and operated very successfully for 17 months until government legislation and the harsh winters of the Baltic Sea forced its closure. And while we're on the subject of colour radio, European listeners may remember when Radio Luxembourg got in on the act, albeit with jingles sung with British accents. Green is gold! Gold with 208! And that jingle was from Luxembourg's 1964 package. The similarities at that time between stations using Pam's jingles were obvious, whether in Los Angeles, New York, or Europe. 1964 was also the year many of the British offshore stations got their start. Caroline was the first in March, quickly joined by Radio Atlanta a few weeks later. Other smaller stations followed during that summer based on former wartime forts in the Thames estuary. But then the largest and most professional of them all arrived in December, Radio London, set up entirely with Texan funding. This is wonderful, Radio London, where you're hearing things, where you're hearing things. Wonderful. Radio, radio, big, big, L, L, wonderful, radio, London. The managing director of Radio London was Philip Birch, and here he explains why they went to Pam's in Dallas for their jingles. We knew that one needs jingles for links and one needs it for, for the whole sort of sound and the, the speed of presentation, the vitality of the station. So we went to Pam's um, because uh, one of my colleagues lives in Dallas and so that was easy. But of course I knew of Pam's because I've lived in New York for many years and Pam's, among other many other things, supplied the jingles for New York's most successful light entertainment station, which was um, WABC. This is 77 WABC From 
Radio London chose a selection of jingles from Pam's series 16, 17 and 18, the most successful sets to that point, and coupled with their 50,000 watt transmitter, fast-paced presentation style, disciplined top 40 format and personality DJs, the station quickly established itself as the market leader. The jingles were an instant success and differentiated the station from all the others. But in spite of the success of the station, some of the Texan backers disagreed with the use of British DJs and wanted the station to sound more American, more like a clone of KLIF or WABC, which they thought would have wider appeal throughout Northwest Europe. So in 1965, they left and set about creating their own station and purchased the MV Olga Patricia, which arrived off the British coast in May 1966. It was carrying not one, but two stations, Radio England with a Top 40 format and Britain Radio with an easy listening format, and both were staffed mostly by American DJs. These stations came complete with two of the newest PAMS jingle packages. For Swinging Radio England, they had PAMS Jet Set Series 27. The fastest thing in the air Swinging Radio England Stay with the fun Hear all the hits on Swinging Radio England You get a positive charge Here on Swinging Radio England And for Britain Radio, they had the Smart Set, Series 28X, which had been created especially for MOR stations. Hallmark of quality, Britain Radio. With music for this, that and the other. However, in a rookie move, the Radio England DJs started test transmissions, including playing the full set of jingles. A few hundred yards away, Emperor Roscoe on Radio Caroline South duly recorded them all over a radio, and promptly set about editing them with a tape splicing kit, replacing the name Swinging Radio England with that of Caroline instead. By the next day, Caroline had a full set of pirated Pam's jingles too. International. 
To regain some originality, Radio England then had some new jingles produced at Spot Productions, also in Dallas, modelled after the Batman craze that was going on at the time. Mind you, Radio England wasn't above saving some money either. While they were at Spots, they took all the demo carts for WPTR 1540 in Albany, New York, and gave all their own DJs aliases, the same as the names used on WPTR. And of course, the Johnny Walker, who got his start on Radio England, has since become one of the most famous DJs in the UK, still using that name on the BBC to this day. In 1967, most of the British offshore stations were closed and the BBC announced plans for their own pop music service, Radio 1. Up until that time, there hadn't been any jingles on the BBC, but the controller of the new channel, Robin Scott, had been given the brief to make it sound as much like Radio London as possible. Here's Philip Birch again. Radio 1 was modelled on Radio London in that it got its jingles from PAMS and uh, an organisation in, in, in Dallas where Radio London got its jingles. Well, Radio 1 went to the same organisation and got wonderful Radio 1 jingles using the same music. It by and large followed a top 40 format with jingles. And, of course, it hired most of Radio London's announcers. And so suddenly Radio 1 was Radio London without the commercials. So here's an example. Spot the similarity. The London sound. Wonderful. Music means B-I-G-L. The voice of Radio 1. Just for fun. Music. Too much In the 1970s, there were a whole raft of new stations in Europe and jingle production in the UK became big business for companies such as Alpha Sound and Steve England Productions. In the USA, PAMs finally closed their doors in 1978 when both Top 40 Music and Radio Marketing were headed in entirely different directions. Other production companies in the USA took up the slack and for the next 12 years, PAM-style jingles were produced by CPMG, run by Ken R. Deutsch and Ben Friedman, utilising the vocal talents of the Johnny Mann singers. And then in 1990, the original PAMS Corporation, including all its copyrights, were purchased by Jam Creative Productions, also in Dallas. Jam founder Jonathan M. Warford had been employed by PAMS before he and his wife Mary Lynn Warford started their own company in 1974. Jam currently produces new versions of the classic PAMS jingle packages over the original PAMS backing tracks, and they're very popular with oldies stations worldwide. PAMS' address was just as famous as its jingles. The studios were located at 4141 Office Parkway, which is now part of the City Place District of Dallas. 
Marketing genius and promoter Bill Meeks passed away on September the 8th, 1999, losing a battle with cancer. He left behind an unequalled legacy of fond memories for those who were teenagers in the 50s, 60s and 70s. Back to you, Jeff. Thanks very much, Ray Robinson at The Voice of Hope in Los Angeles for the second part of his history of radio jingles here on Wavescan. Joe's Jacob in India tells us that Bhutan has issued a postage stamp honoring a ham radio de-expedition. ABK Alexander, VU2ABE from Shillong, India, was on a de-expedition to Timpu, Bhutan, with the call sign A52AA, during October 19th to the 27th. He was active on 7, 14, 21, and 28 MHz bands in SSB mode, using a Yesu FT900AT at 100 watts maximum, with three different antennas. Acting on an idea from the local ham radio operator, Yeshe A5, who coordinated the de-expedition, a postage stamp was issued on request by Bhutan Post to commemorate the operation of A52AA. It's a very rare honor for a radio amateur. The stamp will be used to mail QSLs directly from Bhutan. Just a reminder that the 2023 annual meeting of the National Association of Shortwave Broadcasters, or NESB, in the United States will take place December 1st to 4th on board the MSC Magnifica cruise ship sailing from Miami, Florida to Ocean Key in the Bahamas. The three-night round-trip cruise will feature shortwave-related presentations in a meeting room on the ship, plus group meals and various activities, as well as a one-day stop on the Ocean Key Marine Sanctuary in the Bahamas. The talks will include a presentation about the 80th anniversary of the Wooferton, UK, shortwave transmitter site, a project from Télédiffusion de France called DRMcast, a look at shortwave audience figures worldwide, a demonstration of the latest solar-powered shortwave receivers from GALCOM in Canada, a look at KNLS in Alaska and Madagascar World Voice, and much more. The cost for a private cabin on the three-night cruise is $229 plus $75 taxes per person in double occupancy. That includes all meals, drinks, most activities, and free Wi-Fi. For full details, go to www.shortwave.org. Then click on Annual Meeting Info. That's www.shortwave.org. Then click on Annual Meeting Info. A special offer is currently available for DXers and international radio monitors throughout the world to receive a genuine AWR QSL card through the postal system. This limited-time offer is available until the end of the year, and listeners may respond with a current reception report or an earlier version. Each reception report will be verified with a postcard-style QSL card in any of more than 200 designs of leftover stock. Email reception reports are not valid for this offer. Reports must be sent by postal mail to the current AWR address in Indiana, USA, which I'll give you in just a moment. On two separate occasions in earlier years, AWR offered QSL stamps together with the QSL card. A QSL stamp will accompany each QSL card that is sent out in this special offer in response to each listener's reception report. 
Over the past many years, the AWR office in Indiana has accepted deposits of listener QSL cards and letters from international radio listeners who are seeking a permanent home for their valued QSL collection. It's estimated that between 200 and 300 people have responded by sending their QSL collection to the AWR address in Indiana. Arrangements are underway for shipping the entire Indiana Heritage QSL collection to Australia, where they'll be scanned electronically by members of the Australian Radio DX Club and then deposited in the government archives in the national capital, Canberra. The scanned version of every QSL will be made available on the Internet, and the archived versions will be available for examination by any interested person. There's no similar venture available anywhere else in the world. Anyone who's wanting a permanent home for their QSL collection is welcome to send it to the AWR address in Indiana with arrival date no later than early in the new year. These subsequent QSL collections will then be included in the shipment to Australia, which is estimated at something like 50,000 QSL cards. Here now is the address if you want to send your QSL cards for the collection, or if you want to receive an AWR QSL card as part of the special offer we mentioned a moment ago. The address is Adventist World Radio, Dr. Adrian M. Peterson, 2768 Morgan, M-O-R-G-A-N, Trail, T-R-A-I-L, in Martinsville, M-A-R-T-I-N-S-V-I-L-L-E, Martinsville, Indiana, 46151, USA. Now, let's go to Yukiko Tsuji in Tokyo. Hello and welcome to the DX Report of the Month from Japan Shotev Club, aided by Toshi Otake, and I'm Yukiko Tsuji. We have several DX reports from our club members this week. Radio Banuatu was heard on 3945 kHz on October 9th from 0955 to 1005 UTC in Bislama. Interview was aired until 1002, then ID and news were aired. Mizima Radio via Davaya, UAE, was heard on 21710 kHz on October 7th from 1235 to the sign-off at the 1300 UTC in Burmese. SIO rating was 353. Talk program was on the air. ID was given at 1258. This was a clandestine station. Voice of Turkey was heard on 11825 kHz on October 8th from 1335 to the sign-off at the 1356 UTC in Kazakh. SIO rating was 443. Talk and music program were broadcast. ID was given at 13.42. Radio Romania International was received on 13660 kHz on October 6 from 15.10 to the sign-off at the 15.27 UTC in Russian. SIO rating was 3.53. Talk and Romanian song were aired. ID was given at 15.27. Radio France International was heard on 17660 kHz on October 8th from 0733 to the sign-off at the 0759 UTC in French. SIO rating was 353. Talk and the music program were on the air. The parallel frequencies 15300 and 13695 kHz were also heard. 
Ifrikia FM from Algeria was heard on 13790 kilohertz on October 3rd from 2046 to 2106 UTC in Arabic. SIO rating was 252. Interview and music program were broadcast. ID was given at 2059. Arabic songs started at 2102. The parallel frequency 13590 kHz was also heard with SIO 252 from 2100. BBC World Service via Ascension was heard on 11810 kHz on October 3rd from 1900 to 2000 UTC in English. SIO rating was 353. World News was aired at 1900, followed by Focus on Africa at 1906, News at 1930, and Discovery at 1932. WBCQ from Monticello, USA was heard on 9330 kHz on September 28th from 1041 to 1058 UTC in English. This is World's Last Chance Radio. WRMI from Okeechobee, USA was received on 9395 kHz on October 8th from 0833 to 0900 UTC in English. SIO rating was 353. Talk and hymn program were broadcast. ID was given at 0859. Radio Educación from Mexico City, Mexico was heard on 6185 kHz on October 5th from 0850 to 0910 UTC in Spanish. SIO rating was 252. Non-stop music was played. ID was given at 0900. Finally, Japan Showtube Club will issue the QSL cards for the correct reports on our segment of WaveScan program. We are issuing QSL card by email to the report sent by email. Our address for your email report is jswcqsl at live.jp. I repeat, jswcqsl at live.jp. We continue to issue the printed QSL card by the same system as before. Your report should be addressed to JSWC PO Box 44, Kamakura, Which is K A M A K U R A, postal code 248-8691, Japan. One ILC or two US dollars for return postage will be appreciated. For this edition of DX Report, we would like to thank Mr. Yoshiaki Hayashi, Mr. Iwao Nagatani, Mr. Chiaki Shimada, and Mr. Kazuaki Oikawa for sharing the information with us. Thank you for listening and please join us for our next edition of DX Report of Japan Shorthair Club. Thank you, Yukiko. And we end today's Way Scan with music from the Pacific Island group Tevaka, a song called Lele Ilo Tene. Thanks for listening to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrian Peterson and in Los Angeles by Ray Robinson. Next week, the history of broadcasting in Singapore, part three. 
And we'll have more from the HFCC B23 Shortwave Frequency Conference in Australia. WaveScan is heard weekly on KSDA in Guam. AWR relays in various locations. WRMI in Florida. WWCR in Tennessee. Voice of Hope Africa in Zambia. And IRRS Italy. Send reception reports directly to the station you're listening to. Reports for KSDA and AWR sites should go to qsl at awr.org. Other correspondence, not reception reports, can be sent to wavescan at awr.org. I'm Jeff White at WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. Till next week, good listening, everyone. This is the Adventist World Radio, and you are listening to The Voice of Hope. For more information, please feel free to write to us. Our email address is bible at awr.org. Or you could also call us on WhatsApp at plus one two two four two 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 zero seven seven seven. 